Hey guys. Hey Melvin. Hey, nice. Uh, glad to see you here, man. Glad to be here. Welcome to the Black Help Live. <laughs> we got you in the hot seat, Phil. <laughs> oh, no. You're in the hot seat, man. You 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 know you white boys gotta watch it with us, man. I'm telling you. Uh they've done fine. Yeah. So you guys, this is my friend Phil Ward. This is Big Germ, Tricky Mickey. And um Phil everybody is um is um a longtime friend and he's actually a photographer and videographer um in the twin cities here and he has been doing this for quite a while now and um phil why don't you just give us a lowdown and what you do and the organizations you work for sure well uh what i've been doing is documenting protest actions and marches and rallies uh, since right after the the George Floyd uprising, pretty much full time. I ended up getting laid off from my job in March and needed something to fill up my time. And photography has kind of always been my other thing besides cooking, which is what I had been doing for a living. And after George Floyd was murdered, uh, I couldn't not do something. And the natural thing for me to do was to pick up my camera and go out there. Uh, and it, it was kind of something that was just born out of like, I got to do something. I didn't really have a plan with it. Uh, I'd had a couple of friends who had been, been doing movement photography for a number of years. Uh, the, my first movement photography was at the occupation of the fourth precinct after Jamar Clark was murdered. And then also a couple, uh, after Philando Castile was murdered, but I hadn't been doing it on a consistent basis. So what ended up happening was I ended up hooking up with this group of, uh, six other photographers, uh, that had been doing it for a while. Uh, people like Chris June and, Typhi Pham Kong and Brad Siegel and King Demetrius Pendleton and uh, Emma Saran. Are all these are all these locals? Yep. Okay. Everyone is local, and uh, and so these are kind of, I guess, to say the, the the major players of of movement photography in the Twin Cities, and we all banded together and we started a nonprofit news outlet called move for justice news and uh and so that's like what that's the organization we shoot for uh we have our press passes we have we, we do live streams we do still photographies we do interviews uh i was gonna say it's really nice to be on this side of the interview for the first time in a while <laughs> so, is that a point? Is that a point in the camera? Yeah, instead of you know, pointing the camera and having to be the person to come up with the questions and. Could you could you define uh, movement photography just so we all know? Sure. Uh, most more specifically and defined as uh, covering Black Lives Matters events in the Twin Cities that are locally organized, set up and uh, going to those events and taking pictures of the speakers and documenting 
the crowds and uh, documenting the march and posting them on our Move for Justice News Facebook page, website, Instagram, all of that stuff. Uh, also involves a lot of uh, interacting with the movement leadership of the various, you know, groups for when they want us somewhere. Because that's something that we also wanted to do is, you know, we've we've banded together and started this news outlet, and the goal is to achieve the maximum amount of coverage for all the events that people are having. You know, so some of the some of the movement organizers will just message us and be like hey we're having this event can you make sure someone shows up and like even on our facebook page you can actually book an appointment with us uh saying hey i want one photographer and one live streamer and we'll show up oh that's cool oh that's cool yeah we're we're at the ice protest that was happening recently the ice um the one that was just out at the bishop henry whipple building yeah yeah we were there okay i was there live streaming and photographing and then another one of our photographers who's actually one of the organizers for mirac uh brad siegel was there as well so i want to ask you a question that i've that's been i've been curious about this i'm sure other people have too especially when it comes to the press and all the all the chaos that's abound when you are out there outside of the of the, you know, maybe the police giving you guys shit about being on the scene and being mixed in with the crowd and shit like that. Um, do you get a lot of uh, pushback from people or the or from the people that are there? You know, being that what I'm saying is being that, especially in these heated times, being that you're in the middle of all this chaos and there's a lot of angry people, particularly angry at whites. Mm-hmm. Do, have you seen a lot of pushback because of you being in there as the press and this before and after the press badge? I would say uh, that the first month I was out there uh, was was definitely the toughest because nobody knows you. Right. Uh, you know, like I, I had a little bit of an advantage in the fact that I was introduced to everybody by somebody who was known and respected. So I was kind of vouched for, but still there was like, especially with the people that were actually there in the crowds and with movement leadership, there was a definite month or two of, you know, proving that this isn't just something that I'm trying to do to, to boost my likes on Instagram or, you know, trying to find some way to, to profit off of Black Lives Matter protests by selling images or whatnot. Uh, that's the other thing about us is that we are all volunteer. Uh, we Our organization does accept donations, but it's simply to uh, cover stuff like our website costs and, and whatnot. And eventually we want to get some other programs going, but that's for, that's for a different interview. But after, after people get to know you and you start to get to know people, uh, you know, they, they love us and, you know, they, they start seeing their photos going up and uh, their events getting well covered, you know, via live stream and, and via still photos. And, you know, like what I'll do is I'll go I'll go shoot an event and I'll go home and I'll edit the photos. I'll post them on Move for Justice, but I'll also post them on the event page. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, with the with the 
with the caption, these are the photos from today. Feel free to use them. Uh, feel free to share them. Feel free to tag them. Just don't alter them. You know, do you feel like you're going to be booked up uh, come the eighth? I feel <laughs> like shit. It is just going to be off the hook. I've already I've already set up childcare for that entire week. Oh, uh, so I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do with my son or how long I'm going to be gone. Have you heard a lot of chatter be, you know, like regarding like um, crowds coming out? Because I know uh, typically I know people who who are involved with the press tend to get early early warning of people uh, nefarious with nefarious means coming out. Have you heard anything like that as of late in the chatter? I haven't heard shit, and and like you know, it's it's kind of nerve wracking simply in in the fact that like I mean, really, this whole trial coming up. You know, I, I wouldn't know which way to bet on anything. I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, I get you there because yeah. I think like, we're all in that same boat. <laughs> why, why, do you think, why do you think there is basically a fort around City Hall, the yeah. jail, and the county courthouse? And and the Northeast Police Station. All the police stations are, are surrounded now. They put up they put up forts and shit around everything, you know, mm-hmm. as if. Well, they haven't done it to the fourth yet. Mm-hmm. The, well, no, the one over here, Not the yet. second I meant. That, yeah, downtown they've got two layers of concrete barriers with uh, with razor wire spools in between the two of them, along with eight foot fences on Fourth Street. Yeah, and and six, and Fifth and Sixth Street. They should have just left that shit up. Nobody's <laughs> going downtown anyway. Uh, and nobody's downtown. Downtown. I saw a tumbleweed yesterday. Yeah. Well. <laughs> It's it's basically the same as what they had for the Super Bowl, which isn't that fortified. You know, no. people could still get over. What? You know how they funneled all those people through the Super Bowl. Well, no. it better not be warm that week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because sub zero, dude. Well, yeah. You know, the, the thing is, so I look I most of the so honestly, most of the pictures that I've seen from this year's movement have come from this man. You know, all of his photos, a lot of the stuff you see online, you know, with the BLM page and all this other stuff. And a lot of the pages on Facebook and the stuff from Minneapolis that, that looks like the stuff that's on the site came from him. And it's actually one of my only ways to know exactly what is actually going to be happening on any certain day. I follow this guy to see where he's going to be going to take photos, you know, and that's often how I know. You know, because right. there's always there's always so many microcosms of things going on, especially when something's oh. about to pop off, you know, yep. and sometimes knowing somebody mm-hmm. who does the press work comes in handy, you know, especially if you want to get in there and just kind of lay in the cut, you know. Well, Phil, let me ask you this. How does it feel being in the middle of all that? Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I mean, yeah, it gets I'll, I'll say it doesn't it doesn't get scary until the counter protesters show up. Or the police show up, and uh, what you feel I, like you're targeted by the cops, absolutely okay. by the police, and especially by white supremacist counter protesters. When I'm when I'm out in the middle of those protests, I'm wearing level four body armor, and uh, and if it's if it's one of those events where it seems well, like take for instance when we all got trapped on ninety four uh, right after the election. Uh, you know, I had a helmet, I had gas mask, I had all that stuff on me for that day. And, you know, and, and also 
first aid kit that's like a trauma kit that's specifically for gunshot wounds. And there's, you know, that's kind of like the standard kit for all the people in my crew when we go out to stuff. We've got all that stuff, not necessarily uh, completely just in case we get shot, but like, you know, I've got that trauma kit in case somebody next to me gets shot too. And it's just, you know, we, we wear radios with earpieces so that we're always in communication with each other and know where each other's are because press have been targeted, especially during that first three days of the uprising. There was a lot of press that got hurt, you know, or or arrested. Do you think that, um, that a lot of, I mean, I know we, we all know that you all know that this is the, the, the truth of this, but you said earlier that you, you wear those things and prepare in preparation for white supremacists and police. So that's saying that, would you be, are you saying that like, we all know that, everything's been peaceful until the police show up basically that is absolutely 100 percent. what i'm saying is that uh i can i can only think of one protest that i was at this summer where things really popped off and that was when uh that young man committed suicide downtown minneapolis and Mm -hmm. uh, and everyone thought that the police had killed them and I was actually shooting a different protest or a different I was shooting a march for for Lionel Lewis that happened right before that so we just happened to go over there and uh and you know they had the SWAT teams and the lines of riot cops and unfortunately the the chief had called Nakima Levy Armstrong and it had her go down there with Toussaint Morrison and some other people to try and, and get the message out that that's not what happened or whatever. So they finally managed to get everyone calmed down for the most part. And that's when then that's that same night is where they just started looting downtown and it, close to Loring Park. It was. But what happened uh, was people were getting ready to start to disperse and we're starting to get calmed down. And that's when the cops started uh, shoving and pushing and and like starting to try and kettle people and that's when the pepper spray came out and people were starting to get bumped with shields and uh and I understand why our government just as our local government doesn't get the point that the ripple doesn't start until until they show up I mean, it's not even and it's, it's not even necessarily when the white supremacists show up because there's usually more more of us than them. But it's the police. They show up. The police antagonize the peaceful people instead of the people sitting here screaming the hate at people. You know, that's been going on all my life. But I thought for sure, especially after that guy blew his brains out and they released that that fucking film in lightning speed, you know, because all I said was this ain't after, even after they released that the footage of this guy taking his own life all i said was some people got to go shopping then apparently you know shopping night minneapolis that's what they used it for Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep but yeah you know like almost like every time i see it you know the cops are the ones that are the instigators uh you know i was i was very 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 proud of everyone that was i was with on 94 that night because uh, that was a terrifying moment walking up 94 and trying to get off of that exit and realizing that they weren't letting us off. Yep. yep. And then and then you just watched. I, I think there had to have been somewhere in the neighborhood of like five or six hundred cops out there that night and watching them just 
keep coming and 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 all in the riot gear and they showed up with the tank with the LRAD and there was the sniper in the turret and you know it was like it was terrifying and they come on the intercom and they say everybody get down on the ground you're all under arrest and and uh they said that a few times and then they and then everyone decided to have a dance party instead <laughs> I love it it was the greatest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm like standing there and I'm like, you know, doing that frozen in, in time in, in the moment face, like, <laughs> you know, looking at, all, looking at all these cops going, okay, we handle this, this is either going to be, this is either going to be fine or things are about to go really, really wrong. And nobody took their bait and they just had a dance party because they expected, because they had us kettled. There was nowhere to go. Boy, it's like it's it's almost like they just they're itching for a fight. It's like they come to pick one where there isn't one. There isn't one, you know. Yeah, and, and they and they were and and you know my honestly my favorite part about that night is one thing that really sucked being out there for five hours is uh, there was nowhere to go to the bathroom. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And what honestly gave me a lot of pleasure was the fact that none of them could go to the bathroom either. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so practical question. Who brought the sound system? How did the sound system, what kind of dance party? Let's talk about the party. <laughs> we, like, we like dance parties here. I like There's, a dance party. <laughs> the, the person who does the sound for 90 to 95% of all of the protest actions in Minneapolis and St. Paul is a guy named Peter Pepper. And uh-huh. he, is, he is actually an old rave promoter. <laughs> and he has this huge sound system and all summer long it was in the back of a cube truck wow I, I called it the boom truck because it was like it was a rave sound system in the back of a cube truck and when we like when we went out to bob kroll's house i was <laughs> oh i saw that i was standing was around the great. corner when that thing went around the corner and you know out there there's like all these you know hugo people and, and they like they're like, oh, there's a protest coming. And they were all out on their decks grilling and oh, wow, like, drinking beer. And they were going to look at the spectacle that was coming their way. And that, that truck turned around the corner and started bumping uh, some Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> it was so loud. It was so loud. It was like, it was like bass thumpingly, deafeningly, shake your clothing loud. And, oh, yes. And, uh, but yeah, and but he does. He's got a couple of different trucks that he puts different sound systems in, and he, that's how there's there's music, and that's the PA that all the speakers speak through for for yeah. everything. And, I remember seeing that. Yeah. I was I was curious about who that cat was when I saw that. I was like, damn, this dude out here. I'm like everybody unemployed. Shit, nope. <laughs> a lot of low low end. <laughs> I love that's, that. Yeah, that stuff. That stuff was low end. I, you know, I, I just, I couldn't imagine. I mean, I got a little exhausted earlier this summer, like we talked about the other day. Mm-hmm. I was pretty exhausted from all the, all the action and plus all the decades of doing this shit. But watching, being able to see this stuff from, from this point of view, it's almost like a bird's eye point of view and an ant's point of view too. You know, some of these pictures, and and I, I and I tell you what, man, you guys take a look at this at this site. This dude does does our people justice too. Repeat you know. the website. Uh, moveforjusticenews.org. Great. And, and it's um yeah, it's it's got a um it's it's got a um 
it's really it's done really well. I mean, the, the, the pictures are very well. It's, it does a really good job of exemplifying what this is all about in our town. You know, when you see the photos, you know, from all different angles, even the ones of the police. You know, I love the pictures of that that you guys take of the exhausted cops that just look beat down. They just you just catch them at their weakest fucking point. You know, and they just look so exhausted. Well, they are at their weakest point right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And the looks on their faces and, you know, but I love the the passion and the power in the faces of the people that are on that are at that are at these at uh, at these sites it's great you know it's you know the energy of the people and uh i mean there's nothing there's just nothing like that it's you know when you're when you're in the middle of of all that man it's it, emotion i'll just say emotion whether it's you know rage or anger or sadness or or people just getting, you know, pumped up for a march to to be like, we're doing this, you know, we're not going to take this shit anymore. And it, there's nothing like it. There is absolutely nothing like it. And uh, it just it just reaffirms like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, there's because there's days I don't feel like lugging all my crap out there. And, you know, middle of summertime, it's 95 degrees. I don't feel like putting on that vest and, you know, 45 pounds worth of stuff. But the second I get there and the second I start shooting and the second the people around me are, are chanting and marching and, and, uh, you know, I, I know I'm in the right place and doing the right thing. And, you know, one thing I, one thing I do want to iterate and you could probably validate this, um, Phil, is that, like I said before about the police being the antagonizers, the protesters, the peaceful protesters are the protectors. Do you feel protected when you're around those people, that crowd, I do. I don't, I don't think they let anything happen to me. And also uh, there is another ring of people around everyone, which are the protest marshals. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones that you always see wearing like the construction vests and it's right. their job to make sure everybody is safe, you know, and that, that includes blocking intersections from traffic coming. We were through. doing, we were doing that over here this summer. Yep. Uh, at the police station at the, at the police union. And they've all got radios and stuff too. And, you know, so I do. I, I feel safe. You know, they're like, like I said, you know, I, I certainly don't think anyone in the crowd would hurt me. Uh, and I feel like if anyone is going to try and hurt me, it's going to either be white supremacist counter protesters or I'm going to catch a rubber bullet in the head from a cop. Yeah, I wanted to. That's why I wanted to ask that. Make sure that that was clear to our audience that, you know, this is this has always been about peaceful protesting and it it is. And it's always, always peace. Like, like I said, that one time downtown, that's the only time this summer. And I've gone to like a hundred events in the last six months. That's the only time that anything got violent that, that I've been involved with. And uh, you know, it's gotten tense a couple of times, but it's, it's never the protesters they're like never the instigators it's always counter protesters or cops you know break it curve break it curfew yeah that's the challenge yeah that 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 totally sucks because you you know the narrative in the in the in the mainstream media you know as you know will give you a completely different different story and that's one of the reasons why we're out there that's one of the reasons why we started this news outlet is because i was watching main mainstream news media report on events that I was at and there, they were like, 
completely reporting it totally and accurately. That's not the way it went down. Like, and I'm, and I'm standing there being like, I saw that dude. I was standing next to the cameraman for the star tribune for this entire protest. And I want to know where the hell he got that or where the hell they got that from, you know, where they bought it. (laughs) <laughs> where yeah. they bought it from well you know i mean since the thing i've always had the problem i've always had with most most um media most especially news media is that in america especially the shit is for profit it's for profit so the more you can sell the more money you're going to make it's not news it's simply entertainment and so it's very refreshing that there are people who are actually out there wanting to represent the truth of the story because it i don't know it just seems like it's so skewed these days it is. There's not. There's not much out there that uh, that can can be said to be, you know, searching for the truth and not looking for monetary gains. Do you get a lot? Do you have you have you gotten? Um, have you gotten you guys, your organization, you 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 know, or your or your uh, comrades, gotten any solicitation from news outlets for your material? Uh, Was it too real for them? It, <laughs> you know, too real. It, it might be. And I know that uh, I know that our one of our our members, King Demetrius Pendleton, uh, who's been out and live streaming, you know, events for years. I know that uh, the news outlets news outlets straight up stole a bunch of his stuff, or he got conned out of it somehow after Philando Castile, if I remember correctly. Uh, so it has happened in the past where news news outlets are. You know, definitely trying to get their hands on your on, on, on movement photographers' photos. And do you have any recourse if they do that? Yeah. <laughs> well, all your stuff's embedded, though, right? All yeah. your stuff's embedded. All my stuff's embedded. I, it, it's, it, it would take me less than five minutes to prove that video footage or still photos of mine mm-hmm. were being used by somebody that shouldn't be using them. Because I know a lot of them come out there because they're scared to come out there, so they try to they try yeah. to. To plagiarize other journalists' work. Yeah, they bring they bring bodyguards. <laughs> wow. so you got bodyguards, and you got the community. Yeah, Ain't that sure. a bitch? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, like it's funny as hell. You'll see like you know some reporter out there, and then there'll be like you know two goons walking after. And, yeah. and, uh, well, the bodyguards will get arrested too. They did yeah. actually on ninety four. <laughs> on ninety four, like the the Channel Five lady was like on the phone to her producer for like. <laughs> you know, 45 minutes saying, get me out of here. And they, <laughs> and they eventually, wow. they eventually got her out of there, but her, her uh, bodyguards went to jail. Her bodyguards went to jail. <laughs> and uh, so. you know, of, all, of all the nights, of all the nights I was happy to have a press pass. That was the one. Yeah. that Yeah. Just listening to that shit. Is, it's just insane. Seeing it from a bird's eye point of view, because there's so much, there's so much people usually don't know. And most of the people rely on the mainstream media to get that information. And that's, that's really dangerous. Yep, that particular nope. march was messed up because uh, you know it was it was Governor Walls literally saying that he quote unquote wanted to teach us a lesson. Oh, oh. <laughs> wow! Um, I wanted to ask you one more thing. Um, speaking of um, the, our state and whatever, you you cover the NADPL for a little bit. You did a little bit of that um, scenery work up there. I saw your drone work when they finally got the decision to not let them drill anymore. Oh, um, yes. Uh, yeah, I actually just had my meeting with the FAA for flying my drone up there. Oh, really? Because uh, the police reported it. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, no wow. shit. Yeah. 
So tell, tell, let it, let our audience know what I'm talking about. Okay, so there's there's a few different camps up up north, and and basically the the stuff that I'm that we've been going up to cover is the Stop Line Three protests, and that's for the Enbridge Line Three pipeline that goes from Canada all the way over to the shores of Lake Superior, and it is a replacement pipeline for the existing pipeline that that pumps. Uh, tar sands oil that's acquired through fracking uh, to Lake Superior so that they can put it on Enbridge's tankers and ship it to wherever they're going to ship it. And so the old pipeline got old and, you know, started to leak too much. So they proposed to build this new pipeline with a different route uh, going through all kinds of uh, indigenous treaty lands and they, in some cases they actually were trying to put the pipeline through reservation land and uh and red lake and white earth and uh i can't remember the other band said hell no and fond du lac gave them permission which has been a big you know source of tension up there but so what i've been doing is going up there and we've been live streaming the the protesters that are coming from uh like cam mcgeezy and I think it's either Cloquet, no, it's Sawyer, Minnesota. And people are chaining themselves to the construction equipment in protest. And lots of people are going to jail for that. Uh, but the, the thing about this pipeline is pipelines leak. And what they're, there's two different spots that they're drilling, or one for sure that they're drilling under the Mississippi River. Wait, they, they're going under the river? Yeah, that's that's how, you, how they do it. They drill under the river. And, and the main reason that they haven't been able to do it yet is because the weather has been so cold. And the reason that they can't do it while the weather is cold is because the river freezes and they can't see whether or not they drilled into an aquifer. Right. Oh, shit. <laughs> Wow. And that and that statement right there the first time said it someone said it to me made me want to punch a wall. You know, like you do real, they they do realize that we're sitting on the biggest aquifer in North America. Yeah. And if they pollute that, we're and, kind of fucked. And it's and that is like if you've ever if you've been up there at the Mississippi River in Palisade, it's like not even a hundred feet across. Yeah. You know, it, I mean it it is the headwaters of the Mississippi yeah. River, and and it's just unfathomable to me that they would want to drill underneath that river and put a tar sands oil pipeline underneath it at the very top of the wow. Mississippi River. Wow, that's pretty evil. So that's what so fucked up. So that's what they're up there trying to stop, and, <laughs> and so I go up there and I take pictures of the of the events, and up until recently had been going up there and getting drone footage of the construction progress uh so that people can get you know a literal bird's eye view from 300 feet up in the air of what they're doing and uh and then you get the faa on your ass now i have the faa on my ass and my drone is on the ground until i get my part 107 license wow <laughs> you can't even fly it in a target parking lot even right now can you i could i could fly it uh for my own personal satisfaction, recreational flying, but it can't be for anything. That's that's the thing. People think that they're like, well, if I'm not making money on it, it's recreational flying. No, no, no. Uh, if you're doing it for the benefit of anything other than just having a good time, you need to have that license. Wow. So when we were flying it around in the Target parking lot, that would be considered recreational. 
But the second I turned that drone on the third precinct, and it's not. It's not recreational anymore because we're using it for a purpose. That's purpose. So stupid. Wow. It's so stupid. I know, right? <laughs> wow. All right. Well, shit. How long does it take to get that license cleared? Uh, extra. Well, if they clear it. Yeah. You basically you you're basically getting a dumbed down pilot's license. Mm-hmm. So all like all of the basic stuff you need to know to fly an airplane, you need to fly know how to know to fly a drone. So there's actually a bunch of stuff. I mean, it's not one of those things where you take a three hour study course and go in yeah, and take okay. a test. It's something where you where you got to study pretty seriously for a couple of weeks and make sure you you know that stuff, and then you have to go to a site and test. Wow, incredible! Yeah, so it'll cost you money. It'll cost me money, yeah. Well, of course. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> well, my dad was a pilot for 50-plus years, so, yeah, that's not an easy thing. It, it's not like just, oh, I'm going to go buy a canoe or buy a little motorboat and throw that shit in the river because oh. I have a DNR license for the boat kind of thing. This is yep. for real. It's just incredible how they how the government finds ways to screw you when they don't want, it, when they don't want you to um, share their secrets. No, and they and they most certainly don't want you to up there. Oh, with, man. You know, because like the stuff like I, I don't know if you've been reading in the news the last couple of days about the human trafficking ring. Yeah. Busted up there in yep. County. Mm-hmm. Well, what that is, is uh, mostly kidnapped indigenous women that are being prostituted to the man camps full of Enbridge employees. Ew. Yeah. How about it, that. It's fucking gross. Well, wow. That now, oh, yeah, that that makes yeah, that's that's fucked up. And well, and and not surprising. Minnesota is one of the largest uh one of the largest cities for trafficking because of the river going to yep. and and the highway. Yeah, the yep. highway that goes from, yeah. from from border to border. So it yep. makes it easy. Cocaine and women is what we're famous for. Jeez. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But. <laughs> <Just> Cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> well, great, man. Wow. Um, well, my goodness. You're going to have to come back on and tell us some more stuff. Well, yeah, definitely. You're going to have more stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, especially after March 8th. I mean, once the, the trials begin, you know, this shit's <laughs> It's gonna, it's gonna be outrageous. Let's just be honest about it. It's gonna be fucking ridiculous. It's gonna be fucking ridiculous because it's just it's just a big ass ice cream cone, just another scoop of melting shit coming. You know. Well, and also, there's um, we have less than a minute left with this recording, but the the thing with uh, oh, it doesn't matter what I was gonna say. Let's say it some other time. But yeah, but we'd love to have you back, man, especially after this trial. Because um, I'm sure you're going to have a lot. I'll be out there with you a couple of times in those days because I need to get out there and see this part myself. You yeah, know? Check yeah. in. Hey, Phil, yeah, thank you so much happy. for being on. Really, honestly, thank you. I'd be happy, yeah, Phil. Anytime you want. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. And thank you for your insight. Thank you for letting our, our viewing audience know what it's like out there from a bird's eye point of view. Mm-hmm. You're, you're welcome. And thanks for having me, Malcolm. I'll yeah. talk to you soon. Uh, I'm Malcolm Tent. I'm Tricky Mickey. I'm Big uh, Jerk. Thanks okay. for listening, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>